0: First down throw Wimbush across the middle. Saint Brown had lots of space. Saint Brown still going down the sidelines. Tight open all the way to the
1: end zone.
0: Holla, we boys. we
1: boys.
0: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. I'm really excited for this one. We're gonna talk. ESB, EQB, Equinemius St. Brown. However you want to pronounce his name, it's, it's one of the more difficult ones to talk. Uh, you guys have asked for this podcast, and so we had, had to make sure it happened. Uh, before we jump into that, a word from our sponsor. Have you ever wished you could be an NFL general manager? Well, now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online, a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy teams like an NFL general manager. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel and features the revolutionary free agency auction room, which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host up to 32 teams and has a ton of other cool features as well. In addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automatic contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com and a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use promo code D to receive 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. All right, guys, I brought in Tyler Gunther. He's the host of the Dynasty HH Pod. He's a fantasy football writer for the Zone Coverage, and he's a, used to write for the fantasy footballers. Tyler, how are we doing today?
1: I'm doing good. Ready to talk a little bit uh, ESB. Uh, uh, the EQSB, not quite sure if I'm comfortable with that. Let's just, let's just go ESB. This guy's going to be good. He he's gonna be kind of the OBJ of this class, you know the abbreviation people are gonna remember.
0: Yeah, I know uh, when we were talking about you you coming on to talk Saint Brown that you wanted to give a quick background on his family as well.
1: Oh yeah, I've got I've got some nuggets on his family. Um, his his father, John Brown, not the receiver. Um, he is. Two-time Mr. Universe and three-time world champion weightlifter. If you actually go back, go on Google. You know, if you if you're listening to this now, go go on Google and check this guy out. Man, he is a monster, and you can tell where the athleticism comes from in the family. I mean, unreal. And he's got he's got two brothers. The middle one, now their names. You know, Equinemius, different names. The middle child, Os- Osiris, Adrian. Amon-Ra J. St. Brown. He's a four-star receiver at Stanford. It's funny because he got ESB who's 6'5" 214 and his middle brother's 6'2" and about like 195. So he's like a a possession type guy, more of a DeVonta Adams. And then his youngest, who is actually the most talented St. Brown. His name is Amon-Ra Julian St. Brown. He's a five-star receiver, the number two overall receiver coming into college this year. He's five eleven, and he's more of a quick twitch, quote unquote Antonio Brown type receiver. Who's a guy that I mean, he is a guy that is going to be very exciting to come in if he if he progresses as a as a talent. Listen, this so, this,
0: this dad really wanted to challenge us with these names, man. This is this is listen. This <laughs> basically, they they wanted to make sure every letter of the alphabet got in there. So let's let's talk about um, ESB. Let's talk about St. Right. Brown, the, the one that's coming into the draft this year. Just to kind of give a quick background on his production, we're talking about a guy that only caught 33 passes for 515 yards this year with Brendan Wimbush, but when he had a, a much better quarterback in Kaiser the year before, he caught 58 passes for 961 yards nine touchdowns and in his career average 16.1 yards per catch we're talking about a guy that's six foot four plus basically six foot five 214 huge wingspan and uh, ran a 44840 which is excellent for his size and he did 20 reps on the bench which is doesn't really matter but i just want to mention it because he's got those incredibly long arms that so that's that's impressive to me not that it necessarily matters for football but it's just impressive for me in general but when you watch his game what stands out and what, what's the reason you like him as a prospect
1: His length, like we're talking about it now, and he's not just a big guy that just goes up and gets it. Uh, Like we're talking off air, he's a guy that can run after the catch and is extremely good at it. I mean, like you talked about with Kaiser, he had a great year, everybody was excited. The thing that I hate people knocking on him is if, if you watch Wimbush play, he is not good. Wimbush is not a quarterback. I mean, you look at Wimbush's production and he was 103 for 200, uh, about 1200 yards, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions. That's like a 51% completion rating, which is not good. ESB had a little trouble getting production this year, but when it came to watching him on the field, he's just good at everything. I mean, you give him a contested ball, he's going to get that. I mean, he's got nine and three fourth inch hands which are mitts for a receiver i mean and like you said the wingspan it, you watch his tape and it seems like what you think he might lack in speed or after the catch he has and then you're like okay he's got it he's got to be lacking somewhere is he is he bad at press coverage he wins with that he's just a very talented receiver that his overall game i can see grow into amazing production in the nfl so i i, I know i might be biased I, i'm I, I'm kind of an Notre Dame fan, but I mean, I love his future in the NFL.
0: I think he, he might be the highest ceiling prospect in the entire draft, honestly, or not in the entire draft, in the entire wide receiver class. Let me just clarify that real quick. But I, I like his game a lot. I think the thing that stood out to me was, one, is how well he moves for a guy his size in terms of his route running, his double moves, his ability to sink hips, his ability to separate. And use his speed is terrific. Uh, route running always translates in the NFL. And when you can run routes at that size, that's terrific. His ability to make plays after the catch, they ran a lot of drag routes or shallow crossers with him. And they got him the football, and he was really able to turn off the field, make people miss, and use his speed and acceleration and really run right by people, which is fantastic. You can almost use him in a Julio Jones type of way where you see that big receiver, they do those shallow, shallow crosses and really get him up the field. So I really like that aspect of his game. You mentioned he's a big uh, receiver he only had a 4.2% drop rate so pretty good hands I'll, I'll address some of that in his weaknesses too i think he has a couple things he can clean up in front of in terms of technique but I also, again, I've talked about this a lot. But I don't care that much about a receiver's blocking ability. But he was, he was a willing blocker, and his long arms really gave defensive backs a lot, of, uh, a lot of trouble. And they could run some outside stuff in his direction, or they put him in the slot, and he would come and do a crackback block or something like that. And he, I think he can bring something to your run game, not only just because he can stretch the field vertically and have to keep safeties honest, but block as well. And you know, I, I think he's got a lot of the tools you really look for as someone that could develop into a number one receiver.
1: Yeah, and like you were talking uh, about. Blocking. That's what Notre Dame was this year. I mean, Josh Adams, he pushed a lot of the stuff off the tackle. So that's where ESB would be. And yeah, he held blocks really well. And I think that was a lot of Adams success this year and Wimbush. I mean, Wimbush ran for over a thousand yards. So he was asked to block a lot. So I think he's got experience in that. And when, when you're talking about weaknesses, that was tough for me to find because you, know, you watch the 16 tape, Kaiser you know got him the b- ball pretty well and he had a couple of double catches that were concerning like you said technique is an issue he he would let the ball into his body at points but for most of the part i saw him trying to you know hands catch when it was a jump ball and i mean i just i just think with his his father and his background and i just think he's going to be a person that's willing to go to the weight room he could even get bigger i mean we could see him at 220 225 by his sophomore year i like you said, highest ceiling, and we got to remember this guy was two oh four in college, and last I checked before the combine, he was two oh four. So I'm guessing his father took him in, was like, "We're going to get you up to close to two twenty. We're going to work on you know bench. We're going to get that that weight up," and and he did. So I I love that his father is also probably helping him out with with getting better, and then plus NFL weight room, just everything seems like it makes sense for him to be a good receiver in the NFL
0: yeah anytime you see a guy improve like that that's that's a good sign that's talking about work ethic you know the bigger he gets and the more he can maintain that speed the more dangerous he becomes in terms of an athlete and he can translate a lot of his athleticism into football related things like route running and you know run after the catch and all that stuff he's he's very good in that area like you mentioned and just to jump back to your Brandon Wimbush point earlier there are a lot of plays where he's open and Wimbush either doesn't throw it to him or misses him like we can talk about the LSU game Wimbush throws into a double team 50 yards down the field as opposed to ESB running uh <laughs> wide open in the middle of the field and for what would have been like a 40 yard gain and you you know with his run after catch ability he could go even further against Stanford uh Wimbush throws a an interception on a double move where ESB's got his man beat and he kind of puts so much air under the ball and underthrows it so much that the safety's able to come and make a great play instead of an easy touchdown with a good throw. So the, like in terms of his production that could be better. I do think that his quarterback play is is very a legitimate reason why it, it wasn't great. And you mentioned some of his weaknesses. I thought the two things that stood out to me was he does let the ball into his body he will double catch it and i wish he was better at high pointing the football using his long arms but i think that you're right he he shows flashes of it and i think he can improve doing that i think he tracks the ball okay it could be better there are definitely guys that track the football better than him and the one thing that really stood out to me was that a lot of his routes whether they used them in they moved them all over the field but They often had him off the line. He didn't see a ton of press coverage. And it seemed like to me that he was most comfortable um, with a free release. Now, that doesn't mean he can't do that in the NFL by any means he's he's got the physical size where you would think he would be pretty good and be a load for corners and he's got the footwork and athleticism that he could develop that that just might be something where NFL teams at the beginning of his career want to keep that in mind and keep him off the line of scrimmage a little bit more as he learns to adjust to that in the NFL game
1: yeah, I agree. The, the, the thing about that though, is I liked how they moved him around. So he knows more of the route tree from different spots of the field. I mean, he played a little bit of slot. He he, he mainly played, I think it's the, the right side. If you're the quarterback, he's on the right side. So I, I mean, the whole entire thing, bit my base is, uh, like you watch him run in the 40. Did, did you expect a four, eight or four, four, eight when he ran? Because being a big fan, I was watching it and I expected maybe a four five four. So that shocked me. But you could see the look on his face and he was just like, you know, I feel like it could have been better. I mean, he didn't do his jumps, so that I'm not really worried about because of how big he is. So and his explosion. He's got his pro day coming up. So we'll have to see some other numbers. But where do you see him going in the NFL draft?
0: I would guess second round. And I mean I I have a early two on him. So I i think that well i've talked a lot about this on the podcast in general but when you look at this receiving class a lot of it is pick your poison in terms of there's not that top end guy but there there are some guys that really do a lot of things very well but they're like i don't know how you compare him to like a a calvin really they're going to be kind of they win in different ways you know but if you're talking to me about a big receiver he's he's not far behind Cortland Sutton. he's probably got as good of a ceiling as Sutton does, and Sutton has a hell of a ceiling. And I think he's way ahead of Auden Tate. And I've seen Tate ahead of him in certain places. But when you watch his game, does does he remind you of anyone?
1: Yeah, he reminds me of uh, Plaxico Burris, you know, with uh, the Steelers and Giants. Just how his his body size and how he's able to move and Plaxico had great run after the catchability and we saw that you know during the giant super bowl run when big ben in his early career i just it's almost a spitting image of him
0: yeah it's it's tough i told you pre-show i don't really have a comp that i feel good about at all the only thing is like at his size at six foot five he moves so well and you know aj green is better than he is by a lot and was a better prospect than he was but like just in terms of aj green is a few inches shorter but he just moves so smoothly and you know, ESB does a lot of that for me just in terms of the way he moves. But, again, there's not many six-foot-five guys on earth that move the way he does. So it it becomes a real small group of people that you could compare him to in general. So any receiver, any player in the NFL, landing spot is going to have a huge impact on how good they are and how good – they can become whether it's the coaching the quarterback play like whatever it is the usage any of that stuff if you could put him on any team in the nfl and he could have his most and you think it would be the most successful for him what team would that be
1: i i had a little trouble with this one but i would love san francisco just because you know jimmy g has a good arm everywhere around the field they can use esp everywhere they still have the speed aspect with goodwin and then you got ESB, the big guy, the the red zone threat that, you know, like we talked about, he can work on his high point. But I think him working with Shanahan in that offense would be great. I mean, that's everybody's dream landing spot. And another spot would be the Colts. I mean, they've got a wide receiver need. Andrew Luck, I think, is healthy, is going to be healthy at least you know keeping fingers crossed so they could use a big receiver next to Hilton and I would see that as a good spot you know early second with their first pick in the second round
0: yeah I like those calls and you know what honestly it literally just came to me as I was thinking about what team would be best for him is that he might have a little bit of Martavis Bryant to his game in terms of a six foot four six foot five guy that's got he doesn't have Bryant's quite top end speed but the run after catch ability of a guy that size so I was trying to think of you know what teams could use that I think the Jets could really use a, a big receiver with run after catchability. they kind of have Robbie Anderson and Quincy on or Darius Stewart but ESB has his own skill set on, on top of that and they pick the top end of the second round and I think he could be a, a good player there um and I, I always mention the Jets because they're my team and I want them I was a good, about good to the, say are you saying that Jets fan? <laughs> but, you know, I, I I think he would he could do a lot in Seattle, you know, as a Paul Richardson replacement and be that vertical threat and the, the way they've gotten these guys involved on the outside and kind of he doesn't necessarily need 10 targets a game to really make his impact felt, but if your team needs a guy, a bigger receiver and a guy that can re- create a lot of big plays, I think he could be successful there. I mean, Packers and Cowboys, I mentioned on every single podcast cuz they both desperately need a receiver. Packers just like go of Jordy If he if he became the vertical threat there with uh, Adams being more of the possession guy, I think that could be terrific. The Cowboys need anyone that can get open, and he can get open. So I think there's a lot of places where ESB could have a very successful career.
1: Yeah, those are awesome spots. I would, I love Green Bay. I think Dallas is great. I, I, I still think Des needs to move to slot, but that's a whole nother podcast in itself. But yeah, I, I think the like you said, I have him at three in my dynasty rankings, right behind Sutton, and I have them very close together. So, yeah, the ceiling is through the roof with this guy and is a guy that, uh, for all the Dynasty players out there, if you have an early second-round pick, I would not be scared to pull the trigger. And, yeah, maybe your Jets could get him, too.
0: Yeah, listen, I I agree with you. And I think, unlike a lot of other previous ceiling-wide receivers, he's actually got a floor, too, because of his route running and movement skills. So... Tyler, I just want to thank you for coming on again. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you?
1: Yeah, you can find me every week on Dynasty Happy Hour with my other two hosts, Doug Eddy and Tim Keller. We are a Strictly Dynasty podcast and you can check uh, our rankings ADP out at DynastyHappyHour.com. And yeah, I'm going to be starting right for zone coverage up here. It's Minnesota based. So I do a lot more Minnesota type news. You know, A lot of Kirk Cousins news coming out now and all, all that fun preseason before season stuff so
0: guys make sure you check them out you can follow them on twitter at dhh underscore tyler you're listening to the draft daily podcast i'm your host as always elliot chris you can check us out on uh itunes google play and stitcher leave us a review or subscribe share all that stuff it really helps us out guys uh as always we really appreciate you listening thank you I just